Hey, buddies. Welcome once again to the Franco Observer Podcast. I am your host, Jason Rudy from The Mighty Desperate Visions Productions, a Sacramento, California-based filmmaking group headed by yours truly. And um, as of this recording, we have Lady Hyde on Tubi, Momentu, Momim, Momentu and Zumo streaming channels. Still waiting for um, uh, just waiting for um, Amazon Prime and Indie Reel and a few other cool ones. So yeah, we're on seven channels now. Going ready to go more. Uh, uploaded Emmanuel and Sin City, the film after Lady Hyde, and that's on DVD. Ordering through Desperate Visions Productions and is uploaded to streaming. So I'm thinking maybe May. It should be there. Somebody picks it up. We'll see. But uh, keep on listening and uh, following the Franco Observer podcast on Facebook and Instagram. And you'll see information when it gets added and all that good stuff for all the new info. So today we will be speaking about film. I'm sorry. Episode 132. Film 138. Las Otomas. De Filipinas, the Spanish theatrical title of Last of the Philippine Women, Spain, 1984. This is a Manacoa Films, which is Jess Franco's production company out of Madrid. And it says also Santiago Mancada, PC Spain. Um, it was picked up for distribution by Bella Paricio, La Filipina. La Ultimas de Filipinas appears not to have been released theatrically. says they can find no record or release in Madrid, Barcelona, Seville, Merca, or Cartagena. Uh, if it played elsewhere, evidence is currently unavailable. Uh, so for this, the information portion, we get all information from the book Flowers of Perversion, The Delirious Cinema of Jesus Franco, Volume 2 by Stephen Thrower. And as of uh, about a day or two ago, I went online, and Volume 1 is out of print. sells for very expensive like three, four hundred bucks or whatever. Uh, volume two is still in print, so if you have not picked up this book, I would highly recommend it. Uh, it's the basically the uh, book one and book two of Jess Franco uh, by Stephen Thrower, and um, so much information in these books. So, yeah, I would recommend picking it up uh, while it's still there. All right, uh, this film, uh, shooting date on this, of course, we're in the 1984 portion of Jess Franco's career. So uh, the shooting date on this is July of 1984. The uh, proposed, that's interesting, theatrical running time is 90 minutes. Uh, video running time, the SP Voller PAL VHS is 88 minutes, 3 seconds. Uh, the version I got is off of a uh, satellite or TV broadcast in Spain. Um, and I talk about it uh, after the break in the uh, review portion. Um, I have actually watched this film first, and now I'm going back and uh, reading all the information on it. So, all right, let's go through and hit the uh, all the good stuff. Of course, director on this, Jess Franco. This one he's billed as Jesus Franco. Writer, Jess Franco as David Kuhn, K-H-U-N-E. Of course, David Kuhn is a pseudonym of his that he used quite a few times, and he hadn't used it for a while before this. Uh, he took a break on it, so but now he's back again as a David Kuhn. Uh, adaptation and dialogue by Santiago Moncada. 
The director of photography, of course, is Jess Franco. Camera assistant, Enrique Diaz. Production manager, Antonio Mayans, uh, billed as J.A. Mayans. Makeup, Juana Dila Moreno, which is Mr. Mayans' wife. Uh, Clothes supplier, Paris. Special effects, Bron Chu. Assistant director, Lena Romay, uh, here billed as R.M. Amaral. Of course, there's the Joan Amaral credit, which uh, which is Lena's sister's name, I believe, but Frank always used that one as well. Uh, music by Monia Liter. So, yeah, no more Bruno Nicolai and um, no more um, all the other good stuff, you know. Uh, no more... Uh, um, uh, I just spaced his name, darn it. Um Oh, well, uh, Daniel White, duh. So, yeah, no Daniel White on this, um, no Bruno Nicolai. So now he's changing into uh, this part of his career. So I'm curious what happened with Daniel White. Um, I'll have to do a little research into that. Um, music publisher, Harmony. Uh, let's see. Lab Madrid Films. Okay, uncredited co-producer, G- Jess Franco. Camera operator, Jess Franco. Editor, Jess Franco. So he's director, writer, Director of photography, producer, camera operator, and editor. Sounds like him. Uh, cast: Lina Rome as Cecilia Muro, little Flavia Mayans as Flavia Herves, just or Flavia. Actually, Flavia Mayans is her credit is uh, Flavia Herves, but yeah, she just plays little Flavia. Helen Garrett plays Maria Fernanda. Jose Moreno plays Pepe, the old island dweller. Jose Lamas plays Melu, a fisherman. And finally, Jose Miguel Garcia Marfa plays Mario, a Caucasian pirate. There's also um, a bunch of other pirates that are uncredited here. There's probably about another dozen guys that are the pirates. And then a lady that's tied to a tree as well that they don't give her credit for. It's interesting. All right. Now we're going to do production notes, of course, by Stephen Thrower. Uh, the writer and critic Carlos Aguiar, who worked with Franco for a while as assistant director, recalls that the three films he was involved in were shot more or less back-to-back. Uh, La Otimus de Filipinas was first, swiftly followed by uh, the two Bangkok films. Um, let's see, uh, Trip to Bangkok, Coffin Included, and Bangkok Appointment with Death. So yeah, they filmed these three right back-to-back. All right, review by Stephen Thrower. Uh, with a brazen chutzpah that can only raise a smile, Jess Franco kicks off this pile of nonsense by staging the Philippine Revolution in three minutes with a couple of smoke bombs and a handful of extras running around. He follows this with the sinking of a ship, ostensibly by cannon fire, conveyed by means of a single scream and a zip pan through a cloud of smoke. Cut to the main cast, washed up on the deserted shore, and there you have it, probably the most economical wartime adventure sequence ever committed to celluloid. The rest of the film is a rather tedious tropical island adventure yarn in which Lena Romay's starchy governess learns to loosen up and enjoy herself with a wily old shipwrecked pirate, while her two young chargers throw themselves into the castaway life with Disney-esque gusto. It's, in difficult, it's difficult to imagine what... Here we go. It's difficult to imagine who would have paid for a cinema ticket in 1985 to see this bargain bin 
amalgam of Robinson Crusoe and the Blue Lagoon as Franco gets his concept of a target audience hopelessly muddled. There's a lot of near nudity for a sexploitation audience, with Helen Garrett revealing her shapely breasts and walking around in a homemade thong. But the story itself is aimed at children, with little Flavia Mayans saving the day, accompanied by a cute chimpanzee. Full marks to Spanish character actor Jose Moreno for his eccentric island dweller, first mistaken for some sort of madman or mutant hominin. <laughs> His performance gives the story what little spice there is. I know he has big bulging eyes and stuff. It's pretty funny. Um, again, I'm sorry. Apart from the fleeting menace provided by a gang of Asian interlopers who tie up Fernanda and her young lover and threaten them with a whipping, there's let's see, there's little here too quick in the pulse. Children would be monumentally bored by the static setups and leaden pacing, while for adult audiences the only thrill is the occasional opportunity to watch Garrett's breasts and partially exposed ass cheeks bouncing around the screen. Romay goes semi-nude too, but if you're keen to see her in the buff, there are far better places to look. The film is dedicated to all shipwrecked Spaniards, irrespective of class, age, or regional origin. Let's hope they're insomniacs too. As Spanish TV station TVE1, that's the one I watched, gave La Ultimas de Filipinos its first ever public screening in May 1997 at 4 in the morning. Wow. So yeah, this movie came out in 84, played in May 1997, and then debuted at 4 in the morning. That's, wow. All right, cast and crew. Uh, Jose Moreno. 1933 to 2007, had previously appeared in 1957's Juan de, Juan de Orduna's musical El Ultimo Cupule, the film in which Franco's La Rina de Tabarin, Duccio Tessari's bandit adventure Viva la Morete Tua, and Juan Bunel's vampire art oddity Lenore in 1975, and the ultra-obscure Paul Nashi serial killer drama El Jorito del Francis, 1978. Music. The film's orchestral music is drawn from the work of prolific Ukrainian board composer Monia Liter, 1906-1988, who first found fame working with Alboli in the 1920s and 30s. He, he, oh, that's weird. Wait, Monia, M-O-N-I-A, okay, it's a man, I thought it was a woman. Uh, he joined the BBC in 1941 as a pianist, conductor, and arranger. Um, but after 10 years, left to concentrate on composing and concert work. He was the sole pianist on George Metacrino's recording of Gershwin's Rhapsody in Blue on HMV, and as a member of the Montovia Orchestra, he recorded Clive Richardson's London Fantasia and Hubert Bath's Cornish Rhapsody. He also composed many tracks for a series of library music albums by the New Concert Orchestra, including tracks on Moods, Impressions, Fantasies, 1957. His film credits include Fire Mains from Outer Space, 1956, Kill Me Tomorrow, 1957, Death Drums Along the River, 1963, and Blood from the Mummy's Tomb, 1971. But in each case, the music was taken from one of his pre-existing library albums. Location. 
Alicante, Eliguar, and Altia. Some sources add the Canary Islands, but Antonio Mayans is unconvinced. Maybe a single shot. Connections. Uh, the title is a play on words, feminizing the 1945 Spanish film Los Otomos del Filipinas. Made during General Franco's reign, the film depicts, in heroic terms, the ruling Spanish military's battle against native insurrection in the Philippines during the Spanish-American War of 1898. La Otomas de Filipinas is the third Franco film to feature, to feature an eroticized desert island scenario. The others are 1972's Sexy Darlings, which German title translates as Robinson and His Wild Slaves, and 1981's El Lago de la Virgins. It's Lake of the Virgins. Uh, similar action adventure motifs are also marshaled in Franco's Un Captain de Quince Anos, a cut price version which this movie occasionally resembles. Yeah, it's a captain of 18 years. Yeah, that's very true. Actually, these are four of the weakest Franco films, in my opinion The Sexy Darlings, Lake of the Virgins, Captain of 18 Years, and this. Um, Robinson Crusoe is more of a comedy, but the other three are more child-oriented films, and they're some of his uh, weaker films, in my opinion. So, yeah, it's not nothing too outstanding, but, uh, you know, that's... Part of being a director, you always want to try different things, and, you know, some things are better than others. Like myself, I make films, and, you know, some people like this film more than that film, or they think this film was better, or they didn't like this film, or that film, or, you know, people always compare. That's how it is. That's fair. That's everybody's opinion. Everybody has a right to like what they like, so that's all good. Um, so yeah, this is uh, not too much information on this film, comparatively speaking to some of the other films. And it makes sense because things that aren't really too outstanding or crazy awesome, you know, um, they don't really give a lot of uh, words and uh, meaning to. So that's how it is on this. So, all right, let me get you uh, some of these little notes here to... Uh, get some more time on this side um if you follow the podcast and you like it there's a donation button on the uh, red circle page uh, if you want to do a one-time donation or a reoccurring always please feel free if you like the podcast it's something i do every week for free so if you want to show me a little appreciation it's always appreciated uh if you like the show please subscribe we are on apple podcast spotify stitcher Amazon Music, Google Podcast, Radio Public, and more of your favorite listening platforms. Um, you can always download the episodes and carry them with you. It's always there. Uh, if you like the show, please tell a friend. If you like my films or you care about Desperate Visions Productions, tell people. The worst thing you can do is keep it to yourself. That's always the thing, you know. Um, it's not like a girl or a boy that you love. You can share this with everybody around the world, and, you know, it's everybody's equally. So, please. Tell a friend, spread the word of Desperate Visions, spread the word of Lady Hyde, Emmanuel, and all my other past films, and, of course, the Franco Observer podcast. Uh, if you want to get a hold of me and uh, ask me questions or comments or anything you want, please feel free. You can reach me at uh, francoobserver at yahoo.com, and I do answer uh, messages and all that. I've had correspondence with quite a few listeners over the run of the film, of, excuse me, over the run of the podcast, so... Please feel free. I'm always there. FrancoObserver at Yahoo.com. Uh, if you like the show, if you want to find out what's going on, when the episodes there are, uh, the new ones coming up, um, news on the films and the streaming dates and all that, follow us on Instagram. 
on Franco Observer Podcast or on Facebook. We have a page for the Franco Observer Podcast, and those are uploaded and updated uh, quite a bit, so a couple times a week at least. So follow us on there. Uh, let's see what else we want to talk about. Um, of course, our mission statement here is praise and memory of Jess Franco, bringing the name and films of Jess Franco to new eyes and ears. Um, you know, some of us really love Franco. I'm sure if you dig Franco and love him, you're listening to this podcast. There's other people that, uh, you know, I'll read, oh, he's a hack and he didn't know what he's doing. He's the worst filmmaker ever. And how hard is it to make a Franco film if he's made over 200? I don't know. Stuff like that I think is ridiculous. People that uh, speak that way and carry out that way. I mean, come on, dude. There's Everybody makes bad films. If you made over 200 films or 174 in my book, um, you're going to have a few bad here and there. And you're going to have a few awesome ones too, you know? And, and the thing is, like, the more you do, the better you get. And uh, it's, it's, it's really ridiculous for people to act that way. So, anyway, that's my little rant on the uh, Franco bashers out there. And there are out there. Believe me. I see them. Um, what else we want to talk about? Well, let's see. We got Last of the Filipinas. We got uh, the review portion coming up after the break. That's done by myself. Um, this is going to be a shorter episode because uh, certain things, I guess, like I would mentioned with the text of this book, um, when there's not, something's not particularly outstanding but passable, you just talk a little bit about it. And that's one of these occurrences. It's not uh, a virgin among living dead or the other side of the mirror or anything good like that. Uh, just a pleasant film. I enjoyed it. It's funny. Um, I really liked Flavia with the dynamite killing everybody. If you really think about this kid throwing dynamite sticks without lighting them and blowing up people and just killing everybody. It's pretty brutal, and but it's done in a comical way. Of course, with the little chimpanzee. Any film with a chimp jumping around and sweeping a floor and clapping his hands and being dubbed by Franco is okay in my book, so uh, I would recommend it, you know. Check it out. If you're a Franco completist, there's worse time, things to do to spend your time. Speaking of worse things to do to spend your time, um, on a side note, been in on a uh, Bruno Bataille kick lately. I've always dug him and, and had his films, but uh, i recently been watching like Robo War and uh, Shocking Dark, but uh, I watched Island of the Living Dead last night, which was his next-to-last film. And let me tell you, that's from 19, or 2007. In that film, I was amazed by how bad it was. Um, people that want to bash Franco and think he's the worst filmmaker or the worst film ever, watch Island of the Living Dead. It's actually available on uh, YouTube. I found it after I paid money for it on Amazon. I was obsessed with getting it. I was going to buy it on DVD, but it was like 35 bucks, and that was like really overpriced because it's out of print. And I think when Intervision owned it, it was like 15 to 20 so it's like almost double the price. So I held off, thankfully, and just rented it. And after I rented it, I saw it on YouTube, along with Zombies the Beginning. And uh, yeah, if you want to watch something just crazy, watch that film, Island of the Living Dead, available on YouTube. So yeah, very crazy, um, very inept and, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just shocking when you hear people bash Franco and then you watch that. You're like, dude, come on, man. So, all right, I'm sure people are going to bash me for that. But I know the film has its fans. And uh, I do like that they stole footage from other films. I thought that was pretty awesome. In Island of the Living Dead, they borrowed footage from Interview with the Vampire, 13th Warrior, um, Deep Rising, and uh, see, Interview with the Vampire, and one more. I forgot what it was. Oh, uh, House of the Dead by Yui Bolt. So some 
blowing up headshots and that. And it's funny because they filmed it in video, and then the footage that they use is from film, and you can definitely tell the difference when it cuts to those shots. Pretty, pretty amusing. So, all right, uh, which is funny because that's an island film, and this is an island film, so there's the connection. So, all right, we'll hang out past the break, and you'll hear myself, Jason Rudy from Desperate Visions Productions, talking and reviewing film 138, Last of the Philippine Women on this episode 132. Maha. All right, finally, episode 132, film 138, uh, Last of the Philippine Women. Coming down in three, two, one. All right, we are back with episode 132, film 138, Las Otomas de Filipinas. I'm not sure what the exact translation is. I've read it as uh, Last of the Philippine Women and uh, The Last Philippine Women. So I'm not sure, but that's pretty close. Um, but uh, yeah, Um Let's see how I'm going to do this one. This is a solo review, of course, by yours truly, Jason Rudy of the Desperate Visions Productions and of the Franco Observer Podcast. And I watched this film earlier today. Uh, I watched the TVEL print. Uh, I guess it's probably maybe a satellite uh, channel or a network channel in Spain. And um, it was washed out print, DVD-R. Um not sure if this will ever be released in here because um, there's, uh, I mean, it's natural nudity, but like one of the people is the little girl, uh, Flavia. And I mean, she's just a kid, but she's still walking around in like a, like a thong thing or, and uh, with like no top. So I'm not sure. I mean, it's not sexual, but still with the nudity of that, I'm not sure if that will ever fly over here, but um, yeah, I mean, and his her dad was on set and, and one of the uh, producers and people on there, so it's nothing bad or nothing, and she's not shown in that light, so there shouldn't be a problem, but with how America is and such, it's, you know, anyway. But, uh, yeah, so um, this was an interesting film. Um, truth be told, this is about the second time I'm trying to record this. I had uh, problems with the mic cable, and I ended up taking the... Uh, mic apart and saw the uh, wires inside the mic that were frayed so uh, I went ahead and hooked up this thing and doing a um, mono uh, version of this instead of stereo you'll only be hearing it in one channel for this episode but uh, I got some uh, cables ordered so have them up ready to go on the next episode um, first I'm going to go th- okay I'm going to say this is I'm going to give this two out of five stars I usually don't do that but been doing letterbox lately so kind of in that mindset um tell you things i liked about it and i'll tell you things that i thought were whatever and then i'll read the actual synopsis out of uh the book uh flowers of perversion the delirious cinema of jesus franco volume two by stephen thrower i'll give you his synopsis and then i will tell you uh notes that i wrote through and uh go over the franco list and do all the stuff that we know so all right um yeah so Stuff I liked about this. Um, Lena was funny. Lena plays a different character. She plays like a school marm, 
that's in charge of these two girls that when they're shipwrecked, uh, basically, and they're shipwrecked, and then she has to take care of them and tries to teach them and stuff. And then she falls in, like I guess, falls in love with this like crazy old Robinson Crusoe guy. Um, so yeah, I liked Lena. I liked uh, little uh, Flavia. Um, let's see, um, uh, Flavia Mayans, of course, um, Alberto Mayans' daughter. And uh, she's really good in this. She's actually a really good actress. The f- few films that she's been in, she has a good personality. She's a really funny kid. She's a good actress. She's believable. In this one, she's like smarter than the other people. She knows about things she shouldn't know about. She's got a little mouth on her. She's tough. And uh, I like the end where she like kills all these people with dynamite. She like throws dynamite at these pirates and like blows them all up and stuff. That was really funny. And of course, uh, I love Padula who is the chimpanzee in this. Um, and, of course, on my Franco list, I always have talking animals, so Franco dubs the parrot when they're calling out, Flavia, Flavia. Franco uh, dubs the parrot going, Flavia, Flavia, which is always a tender spot for me. And also he dubs the monkey, doing monkey sounds, and the monkey claps his hands and spins around a bunch. And the monkey uh, sweeps up the cave, and uh, the monkey's really cute in this little uh, padola and uh, yeah there's monkeys parrots pythons a lot of cool stuff in this um i liked uh, uh what else did i like i like the course of scenery the island's really pretty um i like the editing in this story's decent um i liked uh what else did i like about this uh yeah it, it was it was it was fun it wasn't anything outstanding uh it's you know he's done a few like he did uh uh la Osla. The Paragon, the uh, Robinson Crusoe's Island, that one he did back with um, Ann Liebert and Paul Mueller and uh, Yuta Barkin. It's similar to that, Robinson and his two slaves, or whatever it was called. Um, but uh, yeah, it's basically the Robinson Crusoe story and then changed type deal. But this has pirates and everything. Some of the pirates are funny because uh, it's supposed to be these like pirates uh, and um, Jose Miguel Garcia Marfa, who just had a birthday plays a Mario and he's a Caucasian pirate and he's there with some Asian pirates and um, some guys dressed like in kind of like a karate geese or whatever it's kind of weird um, but yeah so some of it's kind of hokey but some of it's pretty cool the costumes are good for Lena and the girls and um, cool cave and you know it's, it's a nice setting the things I didn't like about it was um, it's definitely not a usual just Franco film it's more of a family type thing and um it's decent you know it's different i i, I can appreciate that um i wish you would have had a little bit more of a budget uh i wish it was better print of course that's not his problem though that's the quality of the bootleg that's out there um i didn't really like i mean i kind of like the the old uh robson crusoe guy uh jose morano he's pepe he's the old island dweller he's okay um i don't know they probably should have got antonio mines to play him but whatever um, what else? Let me think. Um, I like that it was, it flowed really well, but yeah, what I didn't like was, uh, I don't know, it's just not a typical Jess Franco film, so, of course, it's that type deal. And, uh, but it's funny, a lot of things play against type. Lena keeps her clothes on for a long time. She barely gets nude, because she's very, like, um, kind of, you know, Catholic type thing, so. Um, so what I'll do is I'll read, uh, the synopsis, kind of give you the, what the film's about, and then I'll go over some little things. All right, uh, synopsis, the Philippines, 1896, near the end of the Spanish-American War. Uh, 
five minutes before Spanish rule went to hell. Cecilia Muro, played by Lena Romay, is the governess of two girls, little Flavia, 10-year-old, and Maria Fernanda, 16, uh, who have been orphaned during the U.S. attack. Uh, fleeing armed conflict in the Philippines, they embark on a ship only for a bomb attack to leave them washed up on a tropical shoreline. Cecilia, a la Robinson Crusoe, does her best to recreate a civilized environment for herself and the girls, including teaching history and literature. Maria Fernandez finds love in the arms of Malou, a handsome young fisherman, while Flavia enjoys the company of a friendly chimpanzee. However, after someone steals their clothes while they're bathing, the women realize that they're not alone on the island. Eventually, a man shows up. He's an old drunkard, a Mexican named Pepe, who was, let's see, who was banned, that's weird, who was banned years earlier from a pirate ship. Banned? That's interesting. Um, banned years ago from a pirate ship and lives in a cave. Cecilia realizes that if she too is to find love with a man, it must be him. Resolving to make the best of a bad situation, she try, she trims his scruffy beard and marches him at gunpoint to a rock pool where she forces him to bathe. The two hit it off and perform a marriage ceremony. Instead of a Bible, Pepe reads excerpts from Kant's Critique of Pure Reason, the only book Cecilia carried to the island, after which the old man reveals that he has a cache of jewels stashed in a cave along with a skeleton he calls Oscar, an old friend from his lonely days on the island. While she, I'm sorry, while the couple are busy with their honeymoon, a party of Asian pirates arrive in a boat. After killing a woman they've brought with them, they capture Maria Fernanda and her lover. Fortunately, little Flavia has found a cache of explosives in the old man's cave, and uses them to decimate the invaders. The survivors flee the island, and all ends happily ever after. Yeah, I don't know if they flee the island. The version I have, uh, they they just kind of like stay on the island. So maybe the survivors talk about the pirates that they few that managed to get away. All right. Uh, so yeah, that's basically the synopsis of the film. Nothing too major. Pretty just uh, you know straightforward. Uh, let me see. So, I have notes on mine. I have uh, what I liked was the economy opening. So they have this big battle. It's supposed to be this big with the invade uh, Spain, um, and uh, all the explosions go off, and it's basically just like a bunch of smoke bombs and people running back and forth in uniforms, um, like they're fighting a war. And really, it, it gets the point across because you don't have to see like people marching in and shooting and a bunch of stuff. Because I mean, you know, you, you know what's going on, and by what's happening, it's not an important thing. It's just something to start off the film. So it definitely does its part very well. Um, and, and the shipwreck scene, though, is done very badly. It's more of a them describing what's going to happen, and the camera shakes around a bunch to show an explosion, which is, you know... But when it comes down to it, that's a way to save money, so nothing wrong with that. Um, of course, I'm, I love mentioned before, I love Padola, the monkey. He does a lot of spinning... And he really, Franco takes his time on the monkey, also taking time 
he there's a scene where the snake crawls across all three people sleeping and he shows it in such slow time reminded me of a uh, search of the golden dragon where the tortoise with the map on his back goes across uh, it wasn't that slow but uh it uh could have been sped up i mean it's interesting though like this python crawls across the kid's face and across their bodies and stuff and it's they like sleep through it it's pretty crazy um I laugh in the beginning because the two girls go s- swimming um, with other clothes, and Lena swims with sw- swims with her clothes on, these like bloomer pants and like a white top. Um, finally, from nudity wise, we get 16 minutes in the first nudity of the older sister. She's supposed to be 16, but I I would think she's at least 18. But uh, yeah, so the first nudity in that is of her. Um, we have monkeys in this film and parrots and pythons, of course I mentioned. And uh, the guy, the the old, uh, let's see, what's his name again? Uh, Pepe, the old island dweller, he looks really creepy in the beginning because he has, like, really big eyes, and he's watching the women, and he's just, like, the eyes are all bugging out of his head. And uh, let's see, my older sister has her... Oh, yeah, so there's a scene where the older sister wakes up, and she's bleeding, and she thinks that she was attacked in her sleep, but she had her first period. And Lena is talking to her about having a period, and the and the younger girl Flavia already knows what's happening or going on, and the older sister doesn't. It's pretty funny, uh, which I have noticed there. Little Flavia knows more than her sister. Uh, Lena continues to teach the girls of the island. Um, she teaches them about King Arthur's Knights of the Round Table and everything. When the Robinson Crusoe old man Pepe meets them, he shows her. He calls it my bachelor cave, and he has a cave while they make their own little hut themselves which is pretty interesting I don't know if they could put that hut together so fast but you know it's the movies um let's see so yeah um and then later on the sister has a wet dream and she's like laying there dreaming about having sex with uh Jose Lamas's character Malou a fisherman and she ends up meeting him later and they have sex in the ocean and stuff but uh she's dreaming about her and she's moaning and Lena and, and little Flavia are like, whoa, what's going on? And Lena knows what's up, but Flavia doesn't. So it's funny. We kind of learn that. Uh, so finally, 46 minutes in the film, Lena finally gets nude. You see Lena's butt and her boobs. She goes skinny dipping. So, uh, you know, Lena in the film, she has to get naked at least once. So, uh, But what I love is when Lena gets naked and skinny dipping, the monkey spins and claps his hands. And I wrote, as I did too. So, yeah. It's like Franco going, all right, yeah, you know, showing Lena naked. The monkey's happy, clapping his hands like, all right. I thought that was a funny little inside joke. Uh, also, while the girls are swimming, the three pirates, Jose Marfa and two other pirates, watch them swim. So there's a lot of uh, voyeurism as well. Um, that might be one of the kinks. I thought there was no kinks in the film, but there's always voyeurism in Franco films. Uh, let's see. Oh, yeah, so it's funny. So there's a scene where uh, the sister has sex with the fisherman, and he has his own little boat. And he says, oh, yeah, I live on another island. And I don't really like this island because the people that live here, which I guess he's talking about the pirates and that. But uh, he goes, yeah, I just come to this island and leave. And I was thinking, well, if she knows this fisherman has a boat, why don't she get with her sister and Lena and get in the boat and leave the island? You know, instead of just staying there, it didn't really make sense. If they have a boat. They thought they were, like, stranded. So if they got a boat, just get the hell out of there. I don't know, but that would make sense. Um, so let's see. Um... So Lena gets with Robinson Crusoe guy, and he says, you know, hey, you clean up my cave, and I'll hunt for you and, and bring you food and all this stuff. So Lena's sweeping the floor, and the mon- and the little monkey, my favorite scene is when the little monkey sweeps the floor of the cave, and uh, he's sitting there with a broom, and he's just going to town, sweeping the cave. 
And then he goes out later on when Lena's in trouble, and he finds a gun out of nowhere. And the little monkey comes back and gives a gun to Lena, which I was laughing. I was like, any monkey that brings me a gun is a friend of mine. So, yeah, the little monkey comes back and helps Lena. Um, and then when the Robinson Crusoe guy is sleeping, the old fisherman, or the old island dweller, uh, Lena just thinks he stinks so bad because he's never bathed, like in the synopsis. And uh, when he's sleeping, she cuts his beard off and trims it all back. And it's pretty funny. She's like holding her nose and cutting his beard. The guy sleeps through it, of course. Just like when the snake crawled over the girls, they slept all through it. Um, so it's funny, too. So you have Jose Miguel Marfa plays a Caucasian pirate. And then you have these Asian pirates, but they all speak Spanish. So I don't know what's that. But yeah, I can mention the synopsis. They basically kill a woman. They tie her to a tree and they throw knives at her. And then little Flavia watches in the bushes and they catch her and they say, hey, if you tell anybody what happens, we're going to kill you. You understand? Cut her throat and she can't say nothing. But if she would have, she should have said something because they would have got the pirates. But she doesn't say anything and the pirates come after them later. So um, there's a marriage ceremony with the two girls and the monkey, which is funny. And then, of course, in the end, little Flavia steals the dynamite from the cave and uh, goes after the pirates and starts throwing dynamite at him. She doesn't light it. She just throws it and it blows up. So, I don't know. It's pretty funny. But, uh, yeah, I thought it was pretty brutal. Like, she's like the oral Schwarzenegger of the film, this 10-year-old girl throwing dynamite, blowing up people. So, it was pretty cool. But, uh, yeah, it was, it was an interesting film, something very different. But that's what I like about Franco. He just doesn't make the same movie over and over again. He does on some things, but he'll take a break and change some stuff up. So, uh, yeah, it's a very interesting, odd little film. Um, I got it through uh, Euro, what was it, Euro Trash Cinema. And, of course, they're now defunct. The website's no longer existent because the owner passed away. But uh, I've seen some of their titles on Trash Palace. So who knows if um, they'll have them there or what. So, But, yeah, you know, if you're a Franco-completist, um, the quality of print is definitely better than The Lake of the Virgins which is probably the worst transfer out there for a Franco film. But, uh, yeah, this is like maybe like a D-plus transfer. You know, it's washed out, a lot of reds and greens, uh, faded, soft, but definitely watchable. Um, but, yeah, it's um, it's not bad. Um, some of the details are good. Some of it's not bad. It's pretty basic. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm not going to say it's awesome because it's not. But I'm not going to say it's complete trash either because it's not you know but it's it's it is what it is so uh yeah i mean i don't know not much i can really say about this film uh besides everything that i have said so which isn't going to be much on this <laughs> but you know some episodes are bigger than others and some are smaller just like the franco films some you want to talk about forever and some you're like oh, okay let's talk about it a little bit see where it goes uh let's see let me get the franco list out all right franco list Number one, Body of Water. Oh, hell yeah, it's an island, so there's definitely Body of Water in this film. Uh, people row in the boats and uh, go into the island. Of course, there's the um, things that break, the ships, and all that stuff. So there's that, Body of Water. Number two, Sailboats. Yeah, they get on a sailboat to go sail to the island, so there's obviously a sailboat in the film of which they travel, so there's that. Number three, boats. Yeah, there's a little uh, fishing boat, the rowboat, and uh, that's that. Number four, palm trees. Yes, plenty of palm trees in this film. Uh, palm trees all on the island, really beautiful palm trees. Uh, number five, jungle sound effects. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, 
course, besides the animals, um, not a lot of wind or, or um, ocean sound effects, but uh, yeah. It just bugs me that I wrote a whole page of notes and I can't find my Franco list notes. That's weird. All right. Uh, number five, jungle sound effects. Number six, chained up person. Yeah, the woman is tied to the tree and they throw knives at her. And then also the older sister and Jose Lamas's fisherman's character are tied to the tree until little Flavia saves them. Uh, number seven, dance scenes on stage stripping. No, there's no dance scenes on stage because there's no dance club or no stage. Uh, but there's plenty of nudity. Uh, number eight, club scenes dancing in a bar. That'd be negative. No club scenes, no dancing bars because there's no bars. Number nine, jazz music. No, it's different. Um, the music in this is by Monia, M-O-N-I-A, Monia Liter, L-I-T-E-R, Liter. Uh, it's very interesting music. It's more like um, library music and cues and a few like um, different types of music, but definitely not jazz. Number 10, excessive zooms. No, uh, there's a few zooms in and out on the island, pans and pans then across and then zoom in, zoom out, but nothing too crazy. 11 out of focus shots. No, uh, I mean, the, the print's pretty soft, but everything looked all right. Uh, number 12, mirror shots. No, there's no mirrors in this film because, like I said, they're on an island. So there's no mirrors. Uh, 13, mind control theme. No, nobody's under the control of any uh, hypnosis or any kind of uh, formula or nothing like that. Number 14, magic tongue scenes. No, Lena's in it, and she does kiss the guy, but she doesn't do the magic tongue routine. Uh, 15, red light. Nope, no electricity, so no red light. 16, sheepskin rug or masturbation with a letter C item. Well, that would be negative. No sheepskin rugs. Um, yeah. Number 17, mad scientist and servant. Nope, just some pirates and uh, fishermen and old... Uh, an old uh, island dweller, but no uh, mad scientist or servants. 18, fish tank shots, negative. 19, talking parrot or talking animals. Uh, uh, <clears throat> a yes, yes, and a yes. We have the two parrots, the one of them voiced by Franco. That goes, Flavia. And then we have the monkey that's dubbed by Franco. He doesn't speak English, but he does monkey sounds. And you could tell that it's like a human doing it going, <laughs> that type of stuff. So, yeah pretty funny i love it it's always my cup of tea uh number 20 in credits yes or no yes it says finn and this is that's filmed in a certain area and this and that so uh number 21 handwritten notes yeah there's a sign that's made up that says home sweet home which uh was pretty funny oh, wait hold on a minute do, 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 do. i think i might remember where i put it yeah, it says Home Sweet Home that they made for the film. And, uh, I guess not. Okay. Yeah, it says Home Sweet Home, so that's, uh, obviously a, not handwritten, but it's a carved sign. Uh, number two, spiral staircase shot. No, no spiral staircases in this, so no houses. 23, inept cops, negative. We have inept, inept pirates, but, uh, no inept cops. 24, belly chains. Nope. 25 kinks uh maybe voyeurism to watching the people sunbathe or swim skinny dip yeah, that's about it uh 26 great headboards that'd be negative no headboards in the bed number 27 fear or desire i, I had a hard time figuring this out um 
think fear maybe because Lena and all them are scared and they're kind of on the island and they're afraid of what's going to happen. But you have the desire for the gold because the old man in the cave has the treasure and these pirates are looking for it. So they desire the treasure and the gold um, and that leads them to do what they do. So I don't know, maybe partially. 28, acoustic guitar player. Uh, No acoustic guitar player, nothing like that. Uh, Number nine, reading a book scene. Yes, they have the book uh, Kant's Critique of Pure Reason that uh, they show in the film, show the cover, and of course they read from it for the ceremony, and then that's the book that Lena teaches people from, supposedly. And number 30, pee scene. No, nobody goes pee, nobody talks about having to go pee, or they don't show anybody squat and go and pee, nothing like that. So I think that's uh, done with that. So yeah, so that is the episode of the Franco Observer list, of course, with the 30 items or so that we may be changing here and there to uh, go up against to how it is. But uh, yeah, so... This is an interesting film. Um, it was made in 1984. And uh, I would think he made this really quick, um, considering maybe locations might have took some time. But uh, like I said, it's not a very complex film. Um, it's interesting. It's it's worth a watch. Um, but, uh, you know, nothing, nothing too crazy. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. This is going to be one of those shorter episodes. But, uh, you know. If you think this is too short, you got uh, another 131 episodes to go back and listen to for other things where uh, me and Kali or me and Teresa or me and Eric or whoever talks about things in more of a great detail. So, but uh, yeah, so it's interesting. It's a interesting follow up to watch after like Bahia Blanca and Foul Play in Casablanca and some of the other really strong, you know, th- films about growing old and thoughts and choices and regrets and all that stuff. And this is just a throwaway island treasure, you know, castaway Robinson Crusoe pirates type movie. So a fun little short frolic, you know, a little uh, Saturday afternoon time waster. They used to call those. You'd see them on TV or something, you know. So, yeah. So, uh, I don't know. I hope you all are doing well Um, and all that good stuff. I'm just going to take a little time here and talk about something a little different. Uh, I got new internet service today, so I was very happy about that. My speeds now have went exponentially well. Uh, used to be really slow uploads, like for Film Hub and for my movies to get streaming. So now with this, it's like increased my speed. Like what would take me 4% a day, I can now do 40% in a day. So yeah, it's like times 100 or times 10 or whatever it's so crazy that something like that can change so and it's all within our power so yeah sometimes you got to make those moves to get out of the comfort and go into things that will improve your sense and uh well-being and uh like myself i've been going through some things getting more discipline going on diets exercising getting rid of bad habits uh, getting rid of vices, doing those things. And, uh, yeah, things have been turning around. Been happy with uh, the Film Hub and with uh, Lady Hyde's showings. Finding out my first payday from that, so happy with that. Gives me more motivation to upload some of my other films. So uh, the next one we'll be putting up is uh, Manuel in Sin City, uh, which is the new film. 
And then I'm probably going to go back and uh, start uploading some of my older films and getting those closed captioned as well. I might go ahead and do the Mondo Sacramento Part 1 and, or I'm sorry, Mondo Sacramento and then Mondo Sacramento 2, uh, two different films that have true crime um, documentary type films. And Lynn Lowry is in Mondo Sacramento 2, so uh, playing the role of Dorothea Puente, the murderous landlord that buried seven people in her backyard here in Sacramento in the uh, 80s, late 80s. So, yeah, so be on the lookout for that in the next few months. Um, from the Desperate Visions production side, so there's that going. So, yeah, um, let's see. Once again, this is l- the last of the Philippine women, Las Otomas de Filipinas, and um, the little Franco time waster, little Saturday afternoon delight. So, check it out. If you got nothing going, fear Franco completist, check it out. Uh, yeah, it's about 84 minutes long, and, uh, you know, it is what it is, so. All right, well, I hope you all stay warm, stay dry, and all that good stuff. So, once again, buenas noches, maha.